0: Shelby Christian Church. Happy Easter, everyone. Aren't you guys so glad that that tomb is empty? He is risen. Our sin debt has been paid by Jesus. We're so glad you guys are here this morning. Hey, Dave. Has an incredible message uh this morning. This uh worship band has been killing it all weekend, and so you guys have already heard a little bit of that. And hey, we have been talking about around here this holy roar, right? That just getting into worship, passionately worship, because we have something to celebrate, we have something to be joyful for, we have something that will change this world, and it lives inside of those of us who know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So we're glad you guys are here this morning. Hey, if you haven't been around for a while, I don't know, for like a year or so, welcome back. I see a lot of new faces, old faces that are new faces. So we're glad you guys are here. I'm so excited that we get to gather this morning as the church. May we never, ever, ever, ever take this for granted again, right? Amen. You guys stand back up. Let's continue to worship.
1: Everybody begin to breathe out of this silence.
0: can have a seat. Man, you guys sound incredible. What what a holy roar. You know, I was thinking about uh, that that holy week, right, that leads up to today, to Easter, And, and I've always been fascinated with what happens on Thursday night in that upper room in Jerusalem with Jesus and his disciples. A lot of A lot of interesting things happen on that. Jesus does and says a lot of really powerful things. And one of the things that he does is he begins to wash the feet of his disciples. Washing someone's feet in that day and time was a very lowly thing to do. It was something that a servant would do when people would enter a house because they had sandals on and they walked dusty, dirty roads. And so people's feet were dirty. You can imagine. And so someone would, would wash their feet for them before they would enter the home. And so this was not something that a leader would do. This is not something that a priest or a rabbi or a teacher would do. And Jesus gets on his knees with a towel and a basin, and he begins to wash the feet of his disciples. And I think about two men in that room that evening that Jesus served in that way, in that humble way. The first one is Peter, one of his best friends, right? Jesus' closest confidant, his his guy, one of his guys. And Peter doesn't know this, but Jesus obviously does that that a few hours later, Peter's going to deny that he even knows Jesus three times. He's going to have the opportunity to say, yeah, that's my friend. That's, that's, that's my guy. And he's going to say, no, I don't know him. Never heard of him. And he's going to run away and he's going to hide. And Jesus knows in that moment on that Thursday night when he's washing Peter's feet that that's what Peter's going to do. And yet he still chooses to wash his feet and serve him in that way and love him in that way. And then there's a second guy, Judas, that I think about. Judas is the one that would betray Jesus. In fact, he is already; it ha- those things are already in the works. He's already been talking to the Pharisees the Roman officials about how they can turn Jesus over to them, how they can trap him and catch him. Judas was a part of that betrayal. And in that moment on that Thursday evening, Jesus knew that that was about to take place. And yet he still washed Judas's feet. What a humbling, selfless attitude to have to know that a guy that's going to deny even knowing you and a guy that's going to stab you in the back But you still love them anyways. That would be hard for me to do. I don't know about you. You know, I think about the decisions that both Peter and Judas had that evening in the next few days. Peter, we know, would come full circle. And he would be restored by Jesus. He would ask for forgiveness. And Jesus would even look at Peter and say, Peter, I'm going to build my church on you. You're going to be the cornerstone of the church for, re- for the rest of history. And, in fact, that's what happened. And we also know that Judas took a different path, a different course. The Bible tells us that Judas goes out and because he's so distraught with what he's done and realizes his sin... And how guilty he is He goes and he takes his own life Two men Two different paths Two different decisions And so my question for us this morning As we gather for communion is this What are you Going to do with this Jesus There are Almost 8 billion people In this world Did you know that And there's about 2 billion of them That would say that they are Christians today that are gathered all over the world for Easter. So that means there's about 6 billion people that have either rejected Jesus, deny his existence, haven't heard of him yet, whatever the case may be. And yet when Jesus went to the cross, he he knew that people, that, that millions and billions of people would reject his love, would deny that he even existed, Yet he did it anyways. That's how great and deep his love is for us. And so I want us to think about that this morning as we gather for communion. There are communion stations around this room up front on the sides and in the back. And after I pray, you guys will be free to to get up and to get your communion. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity that we have as a church family to gather in this place, to worship you, sing these praises to you to celebrate that the tomb is empty and that you have defeated death, that Jesus defeated death. God, we know that, that that doesn't happen unless the cross comes first. And so we pause like we do every Sunday to remember a body that was broken, blood that was shed by an innocent perfect, holy man, Jesus. Not for anything he had done, but for what we have done. And God, may we never take that for granted. We thank you for Jesus. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
1: dark don't
2: guys are here today isn't it awesome that we're here today that we're here today I mean I've got to give huge props to to Ethan and the band and all those guys back there in the back that push buttons and point cameras and last year they made it work right they made it work and and Easter was great last year but it ain't like being together right It's it's not like being together, and we've had an awesome weekend. This is uh, uh, round four, if you would, out of six, and it's been an awesome, awesome weekend, and we're just glad that you guys are here uh, with us today. I want to let you know, just before we dive in uh, today, that uh, starting next week, we're going to start a brand new series, a brand new series, and and I tell you that because uh, it's always the perfect time to invite a friend to get started with something new and to see it through. And next week, we're going to start a brand new series called Launch. And it's all about the beginning of the church. It's kind of following up what we're talking about today. And it's all about the first several chapters of the book of Acts. And we'll start that next week in all three services. And I'll share that next week. And then two weeks from today, you guys are in for a huge, huge treat. Uh, my good friend Matt Wilson, who preaches in just outside of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina at Ecclesia Church, he's going to be here for the weekend. And it's an incredible church. It's going to be an incredible. Weekend and he's going to rock your socks off. So you just need to be here and invite your friends to be here for that. But today, as Jason said, we've been we've been for like this last just week, really. We just did this kind of mini series talking about the holy roar that can come from worship. So we talked about last Sunday that holy roar of worship. And again my t- countdown crew thanks because I love that idea of let's get ready to worship each and every time. And then on Friday night we talked about the holy roar. That came from redemption and all the the horror of what went on on Friday on that horrible, horrible day and what was done to Jesus. But how that because of redemption, it not only was a good Friday, it was the best Friday ever because it brought redemption to us for our sin. And, And so this weekend, though, we're talking about the confusion that turned to celebration There's a lot of stuff that happens in our world that's just downright confusing on the surface. There was a college in the Midwest that offered a, that required, actually, didn't offer, it was a required course for all incoming freshmen in the basics of religion and Bible. It was like an Old Testament, New Testament survey kind of class. And the the guy that was in charge of that was a professor named Dr. Christensen, and Dr. Christensen worked every year to try to make that class as exciting as he could. But if you, if you went to college, you'll understand that when you have to take those required courses that really maybe don't have something to do with what you intend to do, that you're kind of just like going through the motions. And you can also imagine that if it's a Bible course and people don't really want to be in there, that it's really going through the motions. And Dr. Christensen did everything he could to try to make the course exciting, but it always just seemed like they're just kind of just not getting it and going through uh, the motions of being there. But this one year, he had this kid. He had this kid named Steve in his class. Steve was obviously a freshman. That's why he was in the class. And the professor got to know that not only was Steve a freshman in the class, but he had already declared his major as a ministry major. He was planning on going on to seminary and then going on into the ministry. Well, not only was he a freshman, not only was he a ministry student, but he was also a football player. He was on the football team he was on scholarship he was on the football team and not only was he on the football team he had already earned the spot as the starting center on the football team as a freshman now if you don't know much about sports being able to start on an offensive line as a freshman and especially at the center position it's critical it's kind of like the coach of the line and so this kid's got a lot going on and also as you might imagine if he's starting on the offensive line on a football team He's a rather impressive physical specimen as well. And so one day, Dr. Christensen asked Steve to stay after class. So Steve went up and talked to him, and he, and the doctor said to him, said, hey, how many push-ups can you do? And Steve said, well, I do 200 every night. And the doctor said, well, well that's, that's, that's impressive. Do you think you could do 300? <laughs> and Steve said, oh, I don't know. I don't know. An extra hundred that, I don't, I don't know. And, and so the doctor said, well, here's it. Do you think you could do 300 in sets of 10? And he thought about it for a minute. Well, yeah, I could probably, I could probably do that. And the professor said, good. I need you to do that Friday. Here's the deal. And so the professor explained what he wanted Steve to do on the Friday and the last day of class for that week. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. And so Friday came. The door's open. Steve comes in, and he goes all the way to the front row. He's sitting on the front row, this lecture room, and he's down close to the professor. And then right as the time of the class to start, the professor walks in with a box of donuts. I'm not talking about just glazed donuts. I'm talking about the good donuts, the cream-filled, the iced the sprinkles on top, even the bacon on top of the caramel on some of them. I'm talking about the big time real donuts and everybody in the class is like, "Yeah!" and like the weekend party's starting right now. And, and so they're excited. And sure enough, the, the doc goes to the very front row and he walks over and there's a young lady sitting on the end of the front row named Cynthia. And he holds the box of donuts and says, Cynthia, would you like a donut? Well, sure, I would like a donut. And the doctor turns to Steve and says, Steve, would you do 10 push ups so Cynthia could have her donut? Steve hops down on the floor. Knocks out 10 push-ups, no problem. Back in his seat, and the professor takes a donut and lays it on Cynthia's desk, and she starts eating it. And he moves to the next, there's a guy sitting next to Cynthia, his name's Joe. Joe, do you like? would you like a donut? You better believe I'd like a donut. Cool. Steve, would you do 10 push-ups so Joe can have a donut? Steve hops down on the floor and knocks out 10 push-ups really quick. The professor puts a donut on Joe's desk, and he grabs it and starts eating. And the same thing goes all, all the way down the front row of the classroom. All the way down the front row. Hey, you want a donut? Yeah, I love a donut. Steve, can you do 10 push-ups? He does 10 push-ups. Then they move to the second row. And by the first half of the second row, everything's just going like that. And people are people are cheering. And every time Steve does the ten push-ups, they're kind of doing like we were doing the countdown. They're counting them off, you know, and it's a it's a holy roar that's going on in there. And then about halfway down the second row, he comes to a kid named Scott. Scott's about six foot six. He's a power forward on the basketball team, Easy, uh, equally as impressive a physical specimen as Steve. And the professor says, "Scott, would you like a donut?" And Scott says, "Only if I can do my own push-ups." The professor says, "No, Steve's got to do the push-ups." Scott says, "Well, I don't want one. Are you sure? No, I don't want one. If I can't do my own push, I don't want one. If I can't work it out of my own, I don't want one." And so the professor says, "Okay, that's your choice." And then he looks at Steve and says, Steve, would you do 10 push ups for Scott's donut that he doesn't actually want? Steve drops down and does 10 push ups. And the professor takes the donut and sits it on Scott's desk. And Scott starts complaining. I said, I didn't want a donut. I don't care. Here's your donut. He did the push ups. You get a donut. And so he keeps going down the, row, the rest of the second row. And, it, it, and, and it's starting to get uglier. And he gets to, he gets to this young lady uh, uh, named Jenny. And, and she's like, no, I don't want a donut. And Steve, will you do the push-ups for Jenny? don't want a donut? And Steve does the push-ups. And they make their way to the third row. And it's starting out the same way. But it's obvious that the push-ups are adding up. Steve no longer is getting back in his chair after each set. He just stays on the floor because it's a lot easier, a lot less strenuous just to stay down there and do the push-ups. And and so he does the push-ups for Jenny and the professor gives Jenny the donut and she doesn't want it and she's fussing about it. And the uneasiness and the tension is just really starting to mount. He gets to the last row. And about the time they move to the last row, because the students have been making such a, a, a noise and a roar that other students are coming in from the hallway. And all of a sudden, they're standing in the back of the room, and the professor's counting kind of like, oh, there's four more students. And he's kind of doing a quick head count of students and donuts, students and donuts. Okay, yeah, we got enough. But he knows that means Steve's got more push-ups to do. And, and so he starts down the row, and about halfway down that row... Another big guy walks in the door. His name's Jason. He walks in the door and he's standing there. By that by that time, everybody in the class sees Jason coming in and they're yelling, No, don't come in, don't come in. And Steve says, No, let him in. And give him a donut. And the professor looks at him and says, You know what that means, right? Yeah? Give him a donut. The professor fine, I'll let you get his out of the way. He says, Jason, would you like a donut? Jason doesn't even know what's going on. Yeah, I'd love a donut. Steve, would you do 10 push-ups so Jason can have his donut? And Jason or Steve does 10 more push-ups. And he keeps going all the way down the rest of the row. And then the professor moves to those extra students that have come in. And Steve does those push-ups until it's down to two more girls. By this time, every girl in the class is crying some of the guys are even the professors got tears streaming down his cheek a little bit and he gets to the last two girls and one of them's named linda and he says linda would you like a donut and and she starts kind of sobbing out no i don't want a donut please i don't want a donut please don't make me take a donut and the professor says steve would you do 10 push-ups for the donut that linda doesn't want and she's crying and everybody's sobbing and steve does the push-ups and now it's getting really hard and he's sweating like crazy and his forehead's red and his his biceps are red with the blood pumping and and even right right above where or right below where his head is as he does the push-ups there's actually a puddle of perspiration from him doing all these push-ups and then it's the last girl her name's susan Susan would you like a donut? And Susan says, "Why can't I help him?" And the professor says, "Because Steve and I have an agreement. Steve agreed to do the, all the push-ups." in fact, he says to Susan, he says, I told Steve that, that he had this task that he was in charge of seeing that everyone in this room has an opportunity to celebrate with a donut, whether they want it or not. And he said, I decided on Steve because when I decided to do this, I looked at the grade book and Steve is the only person in this class with a perfect grade. He's perfect in this class. Everyone else has failed at least one test, skipped the class or offered and turned in inferior work. Steve is the only one who hasn't messed up at all. And he told me that at football practice, if someone messes up, that he's got to do push-ups along with other team members. And so I told Steve that none of you could come to my party unless he paid the price by doing push-ups. And he agreed. He and I made a deal for your sake. Steve, would you do 10 more push-ups so Susan could have the donut that she really doesn't want? Steve drops down and 10 more times up and down, up and down. And he gets to 8, and it's hard. And 9, and he could barely do it. And 10, and he finally gets it locked out. And as his elbows lock out, he just collapses under his own weight. And the professor looks at the class and says this. And so it was that our Savior, Jesus Christ, on the cross pled to the Father, and to thy hands I commit my spirit. And with the understanding that he had done everything that was required of him, he yielded up his life. And like some of you in this room, many have left that gift on the desk uneaten. By this time, a couple other students had gotten over to Steve, and they're making sure he's okay. They're kind of helping him up into a seat, and he kind of just collapses into the seat totally, totally exhausted, but with a glimmer of a smile on his lips. And the professor walked over to Steve and put his arms on his shoulders and bent over and said, well done good and faithful servant. Well done. Not all sermons are preached in words. And then one more time, his final words to the class this week. The professor looked at his class and quietly said, my wish is that you might understand and fully comprehend all the riches of grace and mercy that have been given to you through the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, now and forever. And whether you choose to accept his gift to us, understand the price has already been paid. Wouldn't you be foolish and ungrateful to leave it laying on the desk? Oh, how I wish my kids could have been in that class. Oh, how I pray that someday my grandkids would end up with a professor like that. Because there's so many things in this world that are so confusing. That class was confusing. It was confusing that one person would have to work so hard and give so much of themselves that everyone else could have a celebration. But our world is full of confusion. And if you look in your Bibles in the Gospel of John, in John chapter 19 and 20, we see the confusion of the cross And of the empty tomb. John chapter 19 is just, it's his account. It's Jesus' best friend years after it happened, remembering what happened the day and and recording it for us. And, And it's so confusing. John chapter 19 verse 1 starts off with Pilate kind of surrendering to the will of the people and having Jesus flogged, beaten with a whip, thinking that will suffice for the anger of the crowd. And then in verse 2, we see the soldiers make a crown of thorns and shove it down on Jesus' head. In verse 3 of chapter 19, the soldiers start beating him, just pounding on Jesus and asking, Who hit you? In verse 4, we see that Pilate recognizes that he's innocent and tries to release him and offers up instead uh, a criminal, a known criminal named Barabbas. And then in verse 5, we see instead of taking Barabbas, we see the chief priest, the actual chief priest, the officers of the court were the ones who started the chant, crucify him, crucify him. Crucify him. It wasn't the mob at first. It was those that were right there next to him. Crucify him. Crucify him. And then it spread out throughout the, the garden, the court garden, and then out into the streets. Crucify him. And suddenly, suddenly the same people that a week earlier were chanting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They find themselves because of this mob mentality. They find themselves chanting, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. It's so confusing. And then in verse 17 of John 19, we see Jesus actually carrying his own cross up the hill, up to Golgotha. And then verse 19, Pilate, one more time, makes a declaration of Jesus' innocence because Pilate commands them to, to make a sign that's going to be nailed to the cross above Jesus' head. And the sign read, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. And some in the, in the court actually said, no, you got that wrong. Don't you mean he says he's king of the Jews? And Pilate says there in John 19, says, no, my sign speaks for my belief. And then verse 24, the soldiers start gambling for his clothes. And then in verse 29, they offer him something to drink in response to him saying that he thirsts. And they offer him a drink of sour wine. Sour wine. Not sweet wine, sour wine. The wine was ruined just like man's sin. A man's life and heart and eternity is ruined by the sourness of sin. And Jesus is taking that all on himself. And then in verse 30, we hear Jesus say, it is finished. And Jesus isn't talking about his life. He's talking about the power that Satan has over us in death. And Jesus is saying, no more. No more. It's finished. And then to be sure that he's dead, they pierce his side. And then in verse 38, Jesus is taken off the cross and he's buried. Life is so confusing. Do you want a free donut? See, just like Steve had to do push-ups so people in a classroom could celebrate with a donut, Jesus had to die so that you and I could celebrate eternal life. So do you want to cash in on what Jesus died for? Or just leave it on the desk? The cross was confusing, but the next morning, the empty tomb became just as confusing. If you go into chapter 20, and <clears throat> excuse me, you look in verse 1. In verse 1, you see Mary go to the tomb, and she gets to the tomb, and Jesus isn't there. The stone has been rolled away, and Jesus is empty. Do you know why the stone was rolled away? You may have misunderstood this for years. The stone was not rolled away so Jesus could get out. He was already out. He was fully capable of that. The stone was rolled away so people could get in and see that the tomb was empty. And Mary went in and the tomb was empty. And in verse 2, she runs back to find Peter and John. And she says, they've taken his body and we don't know where they put him. And in verses 3 and 9, is scenario verses 3 through 9, it's a scenario of Peter and John racing back to the tomb and getting to the tomb and going in and finding that the tomb is empty. And in John's account of the story in verse 10, they went back to town to an upper room, confused they didn't know what was going on they didn't know where jesus was they 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 are starting to vaguely remember things that he had said about coming back but where is he and it's so hard to believe verse 11 mary apparently stayed behind at the tomb and while she's standing there weeping and mourning and confused two angels show up and they ask her why are you weeping And then in verse 14, guess who shows up? Jesus is standing there with Mary. And he asks her, why are you weeping? And then in verse 16 is the great reveal party. Because Jesus calls Mary by name. And in that moment, she recognized him because a sheep always recognizes the voice of the shepherd when he calls their name. And so suddenly, he's right there with him. And then he goes back into town and finds the disciples, Peter and John, and almost all the rest of them. They're in this room, probably the very same upper room where they had taken the Lord's Supper together just nights before. And they're all in there. And the Bible's very specific that the door was locked. And then suddenly jesus is in the room with them and they're still confused about how did you get here who is this is it a ghost and what is it because even even in the early moments of an empty tomb it's still confusing dead people coming back to life that's out of the ordinary it's confusing life Life is so confusing. Do you want a free donut? Do you want the gift that Jesus died for? And then finally, eight days later, there's eight days of confusion those disciples that were in the upper room are trying to make make sense of all this they're trying to figure out what's really going on they're trying to figure out is it safe to go out and to tell this story and all these things but it really took eight days for the celebration to explode because john's gospel tells us that eight days later jesus appeared to them in the upper room again but but this time thomas is there Thomas is the one that wasn't there. He's, he's the one who wasn't there eight days earlier. He's the one that when he got there and they started telling him what had happened, and Jesus, Thomas said, uh-uh, ain't no way. Ain't no way I'm believing that until I can touch his hands and see the wound in his side. And that day, Jesus comes into the locked room again and walks straight to Thomas and says, Here the Bible tells us that Thomas reached out and that when he felt the nail scars in his hand, the celebration began as Thomas dropped to his knees and proclaimed in a loud voice, My Lord and my God! And the celebration was on because the roar of confusion had turned to a roar of celebration. And what we need to know today and leave here with today is... I want you to see today that it helps the world make sense to know that Jesus is alive. It helps the world make sense. It helps push-ups and donuts make sense. It's the whole reason that we're here today. But I want you to see two verses that are going to appear on the screen. They're the last two verses from John chapter 20. John writes this, he says, The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these, these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you will have life by the power of His name. Happy Easter. We've been through hell in the last year, haven't we? It's been bad, but it ain't been hell. Don't let anyone confuse or mistake the last year as being hell. Because the last year doesn't compare to hell. We've been so confused do we wear masks? Do we not wear masks? Do we wear two masks? Don't touch me. Don't get within six feet of me. Or is it three feet? Or is it four feet? Do I get a vaccine or do I not get a vaccine? We, we've been through so much. And we weren't together last Easter. It's been confusing. But understand this, while we weren't together, we were never separated from the love of God. Portrayed in Christ Jesus. And what's concerning to me, all through this pandemic and this crazy year that we've been through, people put their total faith in human things. And I've said all along you pray about it and do what you feel is right to do wear masks get vaccines do whatever that you feel like God's putting in your heart to do but what concerns me is that some people have put a lot of faith in those type of things and still haven't put their faith in Jesus because in the midst of confusion we're here today in ongoing celebration because Jesus is alive Would you guys stand with me? The team's going to lead us in that same song we sung. And so maybe today, maybe today the light bulbs are coming on and things are getting a little bit less confusing. And you're understanding I need Jesus in my life. And we already know there's going to be baptisms in the next two services. And we'd love for you to hang around and to join in on that. And so if you need to talk to someone about that, Jason's down here, Bradley's down here, Kim's back there. we got people that can talk to you and help you through that decision. Or maybe just in this moment, you need to say, I'm going to get serious. And I'm going to let a holy roar of celebration that draws people to the only truth that makes sense in a confusing world, and His name is Jesus. So whatever you need to do, let's get it done. And let's get it right with Jesus. Come on, let's worship together.
1: Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe out of the silence. The roaring lion, deep there, the grave has no claim on me. Then came the morning that sealed the promise.
2: If you're here today for the very first time, we are so honored that you came to have Easter with us. And we hope it's been a special time for you. Uh, we've got a special gift for you. You can stop at the I'm New Wall in the lobby, any of the tents around campus. And we've got a special gift just to say thanks for being here. Let me let you know about three things that are going on this week really quickly. On Tuesday night this week, we have our monthly Pathways. And Pathways is kind of our on-ramp to salvation, to what it means to accept Jesus and become a member of the local church. That's first step. Second step is all about discipleship. And disciple-making and evangelism. And third step is all about getting involved in ministry and giving. And so uh, it's a great night. We start at 6 o'clock Tuesday night out in the Common Grounds. We start with a Chick-fil-A dinner. Everybody loves Chick-fil-A, and so come for the dinner. We got free child care, but we do need you to register so we know how many... Chick-fil-A dinners to get, okay? And so you can either go online, shelbychristian.org, the first drop-down column, you'll see Pathways, click on it, there's a real little simple sign-up thing, or... You can go right now as soon as service is over through that door back there uh, to the Next Step room, and there's some people in there with a computer. They can sign you up right now. So if you've been thinking about uh, joining the church, thinking about accepting Jesus, wanting to get in a life group or serving a ministry, we encourage you to come to Pathways Tuesday night. Then Wednesday night, we start back with our midweek services, and we'll have that all the way through school, uh, the rest of the school season. So that starts Wednesday night. And then Saturday night next week, our marriage ministry here at the church is sponsoring a couple's night out, a, a cookout, a bonfire, a hayride, a lot of fun. It starts at 5 o'clock, and you can sign up for that. Steve and Tony Howard are back at the table, uh, back at the sign-up wall, and it's right next to our photo wall uh, with the, the thorn uh, crown of thorns. Uh, this lit up. It's a great place to get a photo, and it, and I'm sure Steve and Tony will take your picture if you want to go back there and get a photo as well. thanks so much for being here. Uh, Now, here's the deal. We need you to get out of this room because we expect a huge crowd about to come in here. So pray for them and have a great week and let's go change the world. We'll see you guys.